Hello and welcome to the 20-Minute Marketing Podcast. My name is Liam from Reach Interactive and I invite guest experts to join us on the show every week to talk about things like SEO, content marketing, paid advertising, social media and more. This week I feel like I am getting back into the swing of a normal routine which is nice. I don't know about you guys but last week felt like a bit of a challenge so I'm glad to be on the up again and, and getting back into things. And the great news is that we have a really exciting guest that I'm going to be welcoming onto the show right now. So our guest today is Tom Downing, and Tom is the Strategy Director at Freestyle, which is a digital product studio that brings clarity to complexity and creates memorable customer experiences. So very excited and interested, and I'm looking forward to introducing Tom. So first of all, hey Tom, how's it going today? I'm feeling positive. I think I learned a huge amount last year. Um, I'm very excited for this year of what we've got planned. Last year really forced me and I think everybody um, to change the way that we all think and the way that we work for the better. So I'm, yeah, I'm hopeful and optimistic. Yeah, I love the optimism. I think 2020 was definitely a challenging year for everyone. So it's nice to hear that you've taken the positives and you're looking to build on them. So before we move on to our discussion, could you spend a minute telling us about yourself and freestyle, please? Sure. So I think I have quite a varied background. Um, it started out in Liverpool many, many years ago, and I formed my own digital agency at 25 with one of my best friends. And we were just two young lads out of uni. We had no idea. We had no cash. Um, but we worked really hard and we built slowly built a network and made a really good success out of it. We then later merged that small agency into a larger creative agency, and I moved to Manchester. And I think I've always had a curious sort of magpie-esque personality, um, and that's led me to questioning, well, always questioning the way things are. I've had a strong fascination with emerging technology, but more than that, almost the way that creativity and technology can come together and create unexpected ways in which people can use technology. The, my second real passion really is the um, exploration of how we remember things, um, why, we, why we remember certain things more than others. Um, I, or I've always been fascinated with it and I've taken it into the place that I work at now, which as you mentioned is freestyle, where I head up strategy. And I'm trying to sort of build two areas within that business. And the first one is the strategic client team that can uncover untapped opportunities almost before clients realize that they actually need them. And then the second thing is a team that can rapidly experiment and prototype and hack things together, almost creating the unexpected where strange ideas come together. Yeah, thanks for the intro. I think it's super interesting to hear your background and sort of where you were then and, and where you've got to now. So the main theme of our episode will be about creating memorable experiences for your customers and how you can influence them and their decision making. So stay tuned and we'll get started. So I'm really interested to talk about how businesses can create memorable experiences, a little bit of strategy and innovation thrown in there as well too along the way. So let's start with a pretty open question. So you specialize in helping businesses to evolve their customer experiences through digital technology. How can we define what that experience is and why is it so important to get right? 
So I think it's born from the fact that customer um, expectations of what a product or service from brands is going to deliver. And that expectation of what we all think we're going to get from a service or a product uh, has risen steeply over recent years. If you think of the um, why you would look at customer experience um, within your business, the outcome of it is the, almost the perceived value that a customer has of a brand. So at any point, however you or I or any of your listeners refer to a product or service, to their friends, to their colleagues, or even to themselves, the value in which they relay that information comes from the customer experience. If you think years ago, the relationship from a brand to a customer was pretty simple. It was pretty much just based on a transactional relationship, and it was reliant primarily on awareness. So once you've found your customers, you can go and tell them about your products or your service. And almost that was it. That was, that was job done. But now the world we live in, customers have so many more touch points to interact with you as a brand. And also they have a lot higher needs and expectations. So how we define customer experience is it's the full journey of how a customer, right from when it first makes contact with you, right through to every other interaction once they become a customer. And the aim of why you would try to really enhance the customer experience of every single touch point is customer retention. I think you explained that really well in terms of customers now having lots of different touch points. And I think the market has changed dramatically over the last five years or so. Referring back to an episode we released a few weeks back with Ashley O'Neill, who joined us um, from the Chartered Institute of Marketing. She talked about how Amazon have set such a huge bar right now with their customer user experience and how easy it is to navigate their site and make purchases. And I think now consumers expect things to be like that and pretty much perfect for all sites. So you have to compete with all those big brands to be successful. Otherwise, you can get left behind pretty quickly. You're totally right. And I think in a way, it's fast forwarded everybody else to try to compete with that. From the customer's eyes, it's brilliant. You know, it's, it's fixing a lot of bad experiences that we all have had um, and making them much better. But from a business's perspective, it's becoming harder and harder to try to compete with those larger organizations that invest millions into customer experience and trying to make things as fast as possible. So how can businesses improve their experience for their customers then? And is there a chronological order of steps to take or should be things be done simultaneously? I think this carries on from my previous, my previous point of trying to make things faster. Um, you talked about Amazon there. There is a perceived view on success within customer experience is primarily based around reducing friction. So friction being, if we try to make something as quick as possible and as easy as possible for customers to flow through a product or service, then that is job done. That's, that, that's, that's the best we can deliver to a customer and that's what customers want. But it's our view really that sometimes, and it's becoming more frequent, quicker isn't actually better. And the reason is, that now everybody is trying to chase that friction goal of making journeys as quick as possible. And now everyone looks the same. You try to book any holiday, you try to buy any general products. The, the flow in which you go through as an experience, it all looks the same. And the problem with that is that it's lacking soul and identity from a brand's point of view, and therefore it's less memorable. It's just another service. 
So the main thing that we try to believe with in all of this, and we want to try to change is I think brands need to have more emotional awareness of the situation the customer is going through and to then try to deliver above expectation. And this is what I talk about as this memorable moment. Um, You've got to try to help businesses. Of course, you've got to try to help businesses meet expectations of what the customer already has. But if you just stop there, then it's just the same. It's, you know, me going into buying something. If the experience is exactly as what I expected, then when I leave that experience, I'm not going to remember it because it's just what I already thought I would get. So we try to look at it and say, you've got to go above expectation and trying to create, trying to break that pattern of behavior. And this is the crucial part of becoming memorable. There's a theory really around this in that if we go into any situation, your brain tries to find previous encounters that are similar in order to predict what might happen. And there's a scientist called Lisa Feldman Barrett who writes um, a lot about this and there's TED Talks that she's done. And she quotes, the actions we take today become the brain predictions for tomorrow. So when you try to predict what's, what's going to happen, it's less memorable. You're on autopilot. If you think of when you're driving along the motorway on a long journey, you, know, you get that feeling suddenly of, oh, we've arrived. And I don't remember any of the journey because it's so common. It's a, it's a pattern of driving along the motorway that we just know inside out. So if all of this is around trying to stand out amongst your competitors and trying to create more loyal relationships and sway people away from your competitors towards you, then you need to be more memorable. And if you're just going to concentrate on making things frictionless, then you're just going to be the same as everyone else. And this is all underpinned by a theory called peak moments. Um, and peak moments is a theory that was born many, many years ago. And it is the principle behind the way in which we recall an experience and the way in which we recall it, any experience is there is a, an emotional intense moment in any experience. And then the last end point of an experience. And those are the only two things that you tend to remember from an experience. If you can try to identify where is that moment within an experience or a journey, customer journey, where emotions are high, we can try to identify that from a design and go above expectation. How can we surprise the user of what they wouldn't expect? And they will remember that moment and that will create more recall and create more loyal customers to come back to you. Yeah, that was such a great answer again. And I'm really captivated by your explanations. I definitely related to the points you made about businesses losing their soul by having the same customer journey as everyone else. One example that I can add is social media. You have Instagram stories, TikTok videos, Twitter fleets, Facebook stories, LinkedIn stories. So you sort of see the same thing wherever you go, and it's slightly different to making a purchase, but everything is really quickly blended into one. So if you can find a way to stand out or move away from the norms, then you really can make a big difference and grab the attention of your customers. I think the next logical question then is, when it comes to creating a digital product strategy in order to stand out, How can businesses start that process and what should they look to include? So with this, we tend to see three, well, mainly three complications that businesses go when they try to create digital product strategies. The first one is focusing on the wrong problem, a problem that the customer either doesn't have or is less important. The second is decision paralysis. 
the the ability to try to have so much complexity in front of a business that people just cannot make a decision on what we should do. And the third is what I've covered in before is just, just delivering on people's expectations, just boring vanilla experiences. So if we talk a little bit about the first one, we're focusing on the wrong problem. Let's think of a lawnmower, right? You're going to go and buy a lawnmower. You don't go and buy a lawnmower to cut your grass. You go and buy a lawnmower because you want a tidy garden. And this is the crucial elements and the questions that businesses have to ask about their customers of what's the problem behind the problem. And quite often businesses have this perception or of this single layer of this is why customers are buying our products. But more often than not, it's not. It's about interrogating that further and further and trying to find out what's the reason, what's the job behind why a customer is gone to go and buy our product or our service or use it. And once you identify that, it can quite significantly change a product strategy on what you would try to do to acquire that customer. Second thing, making the wrong decisions. Generally speaking, uh, we as humans are pretty rubbish at making decisions, um, especially in a situation where there's more than one person. There's lots of biases at play and the reasons why we do that around People either not bringing their A game into a meeting scenario. Some people might be more tired than others. You have the loudest person in the room, for example. To try to get around this, you have to try to rely or partly rely on a system rather than just humans to make a decision. Um, we have invested into an algorithmic decision model to help remove some of these biases and make better informed decisions between ourselves and with clients. And what this does is it forces us to make sure that we can identify who are the most important customer, what is the most important need, and what is our business objectives. And once we know we can match those three together, it quite significantly changes what we think we're going to do within our roadmap. The customer and the need and the business objective have all got to match up and you've got to chase that idea against that priority need that that customer genuinely has. My third point around delivering people's expectations, this again talks just about peak end theory. You've got to try to match every single customer touch point. You can map it all out, find and identify that emotional intense moment, and then how can we go above expectation? How can we surprise them on what they would not expect? And that's where then you can become more memorable. So if I was going to give any tips to get started, number one, definitely go out and just speak to customers. Go and do surveys. Don't just have it your own subjective view on what you think customers want and why they do what they do. Try to find the reason behind the reason of why your customers want your product. Number two, try to prioritize the most important customer need. And number three, then try to map customers' experience of your product or service right from end to end. And then try to find that moment, try to find that emotional, intense moment that you know your customers are going to be feeling for whatever reason, whether it's, for example, placing a big order, whether it's hitting that send button on a big email campaign, whatever it is, find that moment and go above expectation to try to try to deliver that memorable experience. Yeah, that's a really interesting example with the lawnmower. So thanks for sharing that. So one thing that jumped out at me when I looked on the Freestyle homepage is that you also help complex businesses with their communication. And I know that a lot of our listeners are in B2B or the SaaS space. 
So do you have any insights on how we can improve that messaging to make our product or service offering a little bit more clear? I think that's a really good question because as last year has taught us, complexity is just everywhere. And the problem with complexity is that it brings inertia um, and it becomes much harder to try to make decisions and communicate what we do. But it's crucial you don't let that seep into your messaging. Even if your product or service is very complex to understand and what it does, you've got to make it so simple on your website of what it does. And there's a few different things that I often see around mistakes that businesses try to use from a, especially from a copy point of view of how they describe what they do to a client. Um, the first thing is how versus versus why. So don't talk all about how people are less interested in processes. They want to know why, what, what, why does it do what it does? The second thing should be that most businesses always talk um, about themselves. So you know, we are amazing at this. This is what we do. This is what we've done. If I'm a client looking at your website, being honest with you, I don't care about you. It's about me. Reframe the copy to you. So we know you have this problem. So you might need this solution. So therefore, it's automatically as a, as a visitor to your website, it's putting me into the situation of your products and your service because you're talking about me, not about you. So lean on that, keep it really simple and don't make clients think too hard. Yeah, that sounds really good. So to close out this main section, do you have any tips on how businesses can continue to improve and innovate digitally without feeling like they have to follow norms and trends on social media, for example? I'd like to put this to you. So what, what would you, first of all, what would you say the word innovation means? How would you describe it? I think it's a difficult one, but I would say that Innovation is something that improves and gets better over time, but doesn't necessarily have to be related to technology. It's a good answer. I think the issue is that it's very subjective, isn't it? The actual word itself. For me, the problem with innovation is people see it as the idea, as innovating. We've got to come up with a load of ideas. Creativity for me is the idea and innovation is making that idea a reality. And that is the hardest part, you know, coming up with an idea you know, there's lots of merit in doing that, but too many people have too many ideas. And to get that idea through and actually make it a reality and do something about it, that for me is the side of innovation. And I think if we've learned anything from last year, it's really that no one really has all of the answers. And I think we can depend much less on what has worked in the past to try to um, direct what we should be doing in the future. I think if the tips for me that I've seen works really well and we're going to continue to do is if you want to try to innovate and come up with that idea, but also how can that idea be taken through to to a customer? It's you need diversity in those sessions, in those creative sessions. So you need, you know, you need thinkers, you need designers, you need engineers, you need a diverse lot of people to try to um, have a good, a good chance of coming up with those, those crazy ideas. Second thing is try to just restrict the time. I think by restricting time um, in these creative sessions, it actually forces us to not think too hard about an idea and go down a rabbit hole. Once you've prioritized and you've come up with a load of ideas and you as a team, you've, you've got one or two that you think could be interesting to try to explore, create a hypothesis out of it. You know, what would you like to prove or disprove? And this is something that's really interesting and I've been reading about recently around how to go about testing hypothesis. 
Lots of people try to prove hypotheses, but really you need to try to disprove them. And the company Google X is fascinating with the way that they go about this within all of their engineers. And Asher Teller's got a, a fascinating TED talk about this where he forces people, or forces is a bad word, he encourages people to try to break the biggest thing as quick as they're possible and actually pays bonuses for it. So he goes out of when they've come up with an idea and a hypothesis, how can we break this? And the idea is, is that I don't want to get down a year down the road of this product and find this crucial thing that we haven't found that's going to make it not a success. So if you can find that quick as possible, then that's a win-win. That was a great answer to close out this main section. So we're going to close out the main section right here and finish off with a couple of quick and fun questions that I'll be asking to Tom. So stay tuned. So the closing section of each episode includes two quick fire questions that I like to ask our guests. And they're usually pretty fun because we get a wide range of answers. So question one, Tom, is do you have a memorable or funny story that jumps out when you look back on your career? It could be something that makes you laugh, a career highlight, or something embarrassing, for example. So we had an exhibition last year in Barcelona. We wanted to try to stand out amongst the other, other attendees. We printed 100 floppy disks, managed to find them, lay them all onto these tables. Everybody came in thinking, what the hell is these floppy disks lying around? Um, on the floppy disks, it then said, go and find Freestyle. So when they came to Freestyle, we then had this little robot where you would put the floppy disk into the robot and it would fire up this chatbot where you could talk to it. And the idea was, is trying to get across what we stand for um, and the future of communication within businesses. But what was really funny about it is it was all fake. So we had a team of people back in the UK on Slack where they were the ones acting as the chatbot, where the people in Barcelona were coming along, typing, asking these questions, and really cleverly it was replying, people were laughing, but it was completely fake. And we did it on purpose in a way. Um, and we did actually write up a funny email afterwards to tell everyone about it. But the purpose behind it was sometimes you just have to hack things to try to learn and experiment to see what could happen. Yeah, that's interesting. I hope that the exhibition guests weren't too disappointed when they found out that there were people behind the robot. And my final question is, do you have a favorite resource that you use on a regular basis, which might help our listeners? It could be a newsletter, a website blog, a plugin, a podcast, for example. One of my main websites I go to is the Courier magazine. They call it the stories of modern business. Um, fascinating to try to see what investors are uh, investing in to try to see um, what's upcoming. Tools, I rely massively on the tool called Notion. Um, well, it's my whole library, basically, of what I do and how I capture um, everything I do. Um, another tool is Feedly. Feedly, where it plums in all of my resources and I can see them all in one place. A book that I'm just finishing now is called You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. It's all around the lost art of listening. There's one fascinating um, point that she makes in this is most people, when they're having a conversation, as the other person is talking, you are listening and working out what you want to say rather than listening to that person. And that means that truly you're not actually listening. And the second thing is silence is powerful. Don't feel the need to try to fill that gap, that awkward silence. Just let it lie. 
Thank you for sharing those with us. So before we wrap up the episode, Freestyle also has a few really good resources. They have a really great email newsletter, which I have recently subscribed to called Brain Food. And that is all around customer experiences, business success and news and insights and things like that. And then they also have an event series coming up later this year called Tonic on Tap, where they will be interviewing guest experts on customer experiences and other insights too. So be sure to look out for that as well. And I will leave links to Freestyle's email newsletter in our show notes. So be sure to check that out if you are interested. We are going to end the episode right here. So thank you for joining us today, Tom, and being an awesome guest. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. So thanks for listening, everyone. I appreciate the support. And we'll be back next Wednesday with another exciting topic.